she told me, she's like, yeah, you know, that's, that stuff is great, but it's not, it's not really what I want. Like what I want is to, to really feel you, to really feel your heart and sort of everything else pales in comparison to that. Woohoo! Today we are talking about masculinity. And this is the first of, I think, a series of episodes that will come out this year on masculinity. I've sort of been shying away from talking about it because I am also confused about my own masculinity sometimes and also my role as a love coach and podcaster that talks about intimacy and vulnerability and love. And I also know that it's time for me to step up and talk to other men about other men. Well, I talk talk to people about men. And so I'm grateful that this is one of these opportunities for me to step up and talk about how men can act differently. And today's guest is Galen Erickson. He's a relationship coach. He works with men and he also does men's circles in Seattle. And we talk about this false dichotomy of traditional masculinity. We also touch on the importance of vulnerability in connection with women and with other men. We talk about how men can learn to take risks, shame resilience, consent, and it wouldn't be a conversation about masculinity if we didn't talk about male sexuality. And I'm grateful for Galen to just have met me to talk about this stuff. Actually, it's really funny. This episode is, <laughs> it feels very much like Galen and I are broing down about masculinity. And it's a fun episode. I'm, I'm grateful. I'm happy to be presenting it to you. My name is Sean Galanos, and this is The Love Drive. Galen, could you please introduce yourself? Uh, certainly. My name is Galen Erickson. I am, uh, I'm a relationship coach and, uh, and I host a lot of men's groups and workshops, things like that. Maybe you could tell me a little bit about your work with men and like what so, sort of like the major takeaways that you've gotten from running these men's groups and from working with your male clients. Mm. There is a very particular culture of masculinity, a shared experience that a lot of guys have that is particular to North America. And uh, it's particular to this time, both sort of uh, progressive people talk about toxic masculinity and the patriarchy. And then, you know, some more conservative people tend to talk about, you know, the virtues of traditional masculinity. And I think that we're, it's really something new that we're dealing with, with the, the men who've grown up, you know, who are adults today. And it's a culture that, you know, I think in a lot of ways keeps men from the type of love and intimacy and connection that they deeply desire with with others and um and also just you know makes life a bit more difficult than it needs to be so so a lot of the work that we're doing uh is just kind of deconstructing that and allowing men to to have a more fulfilling life and i i realize that's a little bit broad yeah i imagine that there is some confusion around like what it means to be a man nowadays. There's a false dichotomy, right? People think that it's either the the sensitive, the snag, sensitive new age guy. Yeah. I mean, it's sort of funny and it's sort of, you know, um, that it's you're either a snag or you're uh, the traditional masculine where you're kind of an asshole, but like, you know, ladies like that you're a manly man. So that's called the Chad. Yeah, the chat, exactly, right? It's the dude bro. It's the, you know, it's the kind of toxic mass. It's tacit approval of the toxic masculine. Uh, the false dichotomy, I think, is is really focusing on this, this um, notion that you're either strong and somewhat emotionless or you're soft and, uh, and full of emotion. Rather than that, I see that the guys who are not able to connect to their emotions get 
anger more quickly. They tend to be more uh, nervous and anxious. And, uh, you know, part of why you would say, oh, like the tough guy who's kind of an asshole, like it's because they're, they're less happy. They're sort of less, um, less grounded and less strong, actually, and or more insecure. Um, and so it's one of these kind of paradoxical things where actually uh, connecting to your emotions in a, in a, a powerful way, uh, combined with kind of compassion and courage, actually makes you more powerful, man, a more powerful person in your ability to, to keep your cool, to give no fucks. The stereotype is of the sensitive new age guys that he's just so soft and, you know, you say something and he get, feels hurt. And there's this sort of feminization, which I think is actually not the case, is that, that, you know, connecting with the fullness of human experience actually uh, provides more resilience. Yeah. I mean, when you talk about common traits of masculinity and, and, sort of only being able to access anger as sort of the primary negative emotion, it's a very limiting way of being in the world because it doesn't really fully take in the level of nuances in how we're feeling. And back in the day before I developed just, you know, this way of being more in tune with my emotions, blind rage was really all that I knew. It was either I'm fine or I'm fucking pissed and I'm seeing red. And through therapy and through self-work and through sort of sitting with it, I've sort of started to realize that there's a broad spectrum between baseline neutral and blind rage. And that it's actually really important to be able to articulate all of those, those shades in order to have meaningful relationships and connections with people. Just feeling your emotions is is pretty great, you know. Like after you cry, you like feel that you're like often after after crying, uh, you know, you have people cry and then they kind of go into laughter as they're finishing crying. You're like, oh, and then yeah. <laughs> it's because there's this release of emotions. But not being able to feel your emotions, like that would make anyone angry. That makes me angry. <laughs> I'm not able to feel my emotions. Yeah, and they get bottled up, and they you know, a whole bunch of different emotions will get bottled up because it's what what we're saying is that it's not safe for men to really fully express their emotions because if you do that, you will be seen as weak and men aren't supposed to be weak. We have these common types of masculine traits, right? There's strong and silent, there's tough guy, there's playboy, there's the winner, there's, you know, the homophobe, there's all these stereotypical traits. And in nowhere in that, you know, traditional sense, is it the dude that can emote effectively? Yeah. The dude that can connect with his emotions. The dude that's not afraid to tell somebody that he feels weak or he feels inadequate. It's important to point out here is that this culture and this experience exists on both a conscious level and a subconscious level. Like you and me, we've both done our work. Uh, you know, we're able, we've connected to our emotions and I work with guys who have done that work as well in their conscious mind. But, but some of this culture is embedded at a, at a deeply subconscious level. That's really hard to access. And so while, you know, there's guys and I, you know, myself included, right. I'll, I'll talk, uh, I'll speak about vulnerability and emotional expression, but then I'll find myself in a relationship and my partner says she loves me. And rather than just embracing that and saying, oh, I love you too, like I'll tighten up. Mm. And I talked to other guys, you know, who it's like the feeling of um, like their partner saying or their girlfriend, you know, or whoever saying that they love them is like this threat to their, um, to their toughness and they can't accept it. Even knowing in their brain that, that that's a good thing. It's important to look at how an individual's psychology is formed and during those formative years of what does it mean to be a person. And there, we're dealing with a situation where, you know, as men are growing up, being a mama's boy or, or being a crybaby or any of these things, it's like we've, we faced ridicule and violence. I mean, I'll speak for myself. I did, right? I was kind of the a little bit more emotional, goofy kid. But I got, you know, I got made fun of and beat up if I was too emotional. 
And that's embedded in my subconscious. That's like an intense experience. It's important to to know that for guys to know that, yeah, you might open up your mind to this, but there's still some deeper stuff. And for if there's anyone who wants to date men, to know that, that, that there's work that takes time. This reminds me of a story <laughs> of uh, uh, several years ago at Burning Man, I was eating with, with some friends and, and something had happened the night before where I had upset some people and those people sat yeah. down and sort of started making mm. fun of me mm. for, for whatever I had done. But it wasn't anything. Yeah. I had just like didn't want to give them a ride somewhere Yeah, because okay. I was like enjoying the moment. <laughs> understandable I, so what's yeah. one of the fucking principles immediacy okay yeah and, uh, yeah no, I, I, i'm with you here so i was but i was low on everything it was the end of the i'd been there for weeks and i was just like underslept everything you know and so i just started crying mm. in a public space in the commissary where we eat our meals as employees of burning mm. and my buddy looked at me and he goes what the fuck are you doing like, it's not okay. Not okay for you to be crying in this public space. Mm, even at Burning Man. Even at Burning Man. So, and, and this is a man that is like, that works, that does therapy. We talk about our emotions. Like, it still came out, you know? Like, it's conditioned to be like, yo, don't do that. Do not cry in public. Okay, so I'd like to break down a little bit more of the psychology of, of men's experience uh, for guys to understand and and fear and this is okay and this is just what i've observed because of the culture that we're raised in to allow yourself to f- completely fall in love to be in love is weakness okay right that's why when people when people tell tell us they love us we perceive that as yeah, as a weakness threat. as a, th- a threat to what I, I see configured for different people but it's almost like there's guys who are motivated by their toughness and being tough or motivated by their dissatisfaction with life so the suggestion that they are just that they're just loved for who they are right now you know it's it's like oh you're gonna mess up my motivation you're gonna make me weak i'm not weak and if you're vulnerable then you're you can be hurt right and guys don't want to be hurt it's like that most guys were hurt at an early age well, we were all hurt as children. I mean, it's part of everybody's experience. There's universal things for the human experience that we all have some kind of hurt that manifests in some amount of neurotic framework in our brains, right? But what's interesting to me is just the way in which there are our general trends for men. So you have this thing where sort of love equals weak- weakness or the vulnerability. The way that this shoots off into this false dichotomy is that it's like, if I allow for myself to fall in love, then I'm going to get hurt. And so, you know, you can see this in the dating stage of relationship where it's like the guys who actually, who are kind of the snag, right? Who are the emotional guys, they don't, they'll tend to not approach a woman. They won't ask her out or they'll be more tentative to, to really make the move because there's a lot of risk on the line. And, and of course, also, they don't want to be perceived as the overaggressive guy who's, you know, being that guy, right? So there's also that. But I think there's also this level at which when you're allowing for your emotion, you, like, you still don't want to be hurt. So you, you wait for the woman to approach you. And then on the other side of that is there's guys who, who just don't want to risk that vulnerability, either consciously or subconsciously. And so they, they sort of toughen up. They don't allow themselves to really get excited about someone and really put their emotional their heart into it these guys of course not allowing your heart to open it's hard to connect you know the most often tendency is that these guys will you know they'll feel lonely or even if they end up in relationship despite their their lack of connection they still feel lonely they don't have that connection that they're looking for mm. yeah i'm just thinking about like our role post me too, right? Yeah. And you mentioned people not wanting to appear overly aggressive. Yeah. The way I've seen that with some of my clients is that they are totally, re- they just remove themselves completely from the dating pool because they're terrified of being labeled like a predator. 
And that's also not a very empowering place to operate from. We need to learn different ways of interacting with people. I mean, I've done some consent training. Uh, like, I've, there's there's a few like consent. There's the consent academy out here, and there's other people who do who teach teach you how to do like you can, just, you can take a class on how to do consent. I'm sure it's in most major cities. You can find a class on how to do consent, uh, and it's actually really liberating because you 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 get an understanding of like, oh, that's your boundaries. I can you know ex or uh, um I can understand that you will be in charge of your boundaries. I'm in charge of my boundaries. And, and I can ask you, you know, like, Hey, Hey, can I sit next to you? Oh, thank you. And the, and all of a sudden, you know, all the, you know, all the, there's no, like, it's not like tricks, but it's just, you have this, this embodied understanding of, Oh, okay. I can just ask or communicate clearly, make clear requests. And all of a sudden, yeah, there's all this, this world is opened up of world of connection is opened up when you know how to do that in a, ethical way yeah there's just new language needs to be learned and there's a bit of a framework like you can't just go up to somebody and and say that you'd like to fuck them but you know there there are steps i mean you can (laughs) but it's not socially acceptable and the likelihood that someone's going to say yes to that is very low yeah and you never have been able to do that i mean that's no time in history i don't know maybe in the the barbarian hordes of the Vikings. Well, they would uh, just take. They don't. Yeah, <laughs> they don't. They don't ask. I think there's a YouTube video of a guy asking a hundred women if they want to fuck, and eventually, like, he gets one of them to say yes. But it also might be staged. So it's true that clear requests get clear answers, and being able to take a risk, have some courage, risk that you might be turned down, and. Or, or that you might appear stupid. It's not even that you'll turn, you know, just telling someone that you like them. You know, there's, I see people who don't even want to make that risk. And, and conversely, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm in a monogamous partnership, but I still talk to people and, and I love to flirt and things like that. And just, you know, giving women compliments or telling them that I, that I appreciate talking to them. And often people say like, wow, thank you. You know, thank you for saying that. It's like, it's, I think it's refreshing uh, for people to, to hear someone just honestly say, I like you. Direct communication is incredibly powerful in all aspects of life. And I've found that the best way of getting something is to ask for it. Mm-hmm. And I, I suspect that why a lot of people aren't as honest with their desires is mm-hmm. that because to be rejected would fill them with shame. And Brene Brown talks a lot about vulnerability and shame and something called shame resilience, which is us just being able to handle that shame and not shut down when we experience it. And one of the best antidotes to shame is empathy, right? So being able to empathize with somebody's rejection. If I ask somebody out and they say no, I could easily shame spiral and start thinking of all the ways in which I am not enough. And if I were enough, she would have said yes. But if I can empathize with her position being the fact that she's not interested in me for whatever reason, and it doesn't have anything to do with me, yeah, then it's a lot easier to just say, thank you for letting me know. And being able to move on without feeling this like overpowering, just flood of shame, which can is enough to make most people go hide underneath the blankets and never want to try again. Yeah. One well, here's here's a kicker, right? There's deeper levels of empathy. You can be at a level of empathy wherein you can feel whether or not there's a connection there, whether or not someone wants to to move forward or not. Like that's one level of empathy where you can ask and then you know have empathize with them, but there's a deeper level wherein you 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 know if they're interested in moving forward in a romantic way or not you can energetically feel what's the what's the level of connection is it is it at a mental level at a heart level you know and this is getting into you know i've i've done some tantra training and things like that and so there's there's a lot there's ways this needs to be cultivated but you know one of the problems with co- the consent conversation in my opinion and i'm i'm no expert on on this topic but you know men tend to see consent as a gateway 
as like a thing that happens. Whereas women tend to see consent as, um, as like a process, as a state of being. There's guys that don't know how to do that because they're disconnected from their own heart and their own emotions. And so it's really hard for them to feel another person's emotions, have that empathy, because essentially what the male experience is doing is deadening that sensitivity. And then they're, they're just physically unable to operate at that level of consent. And so, yeah, they ask someone out when, when there's clearly the vibe is not there or, you know, or it's too early because they're not feeling it. And so I tend to do a lot of deeper work, but when, when we are talking about dating, uh, you know, the, the clients that I have there starting off with just feeling whatever you're feeling and then communicating clearly and, and saying things like, Oh, I like you. I, I, I'm enjoying talking to you. I think a lot of guys, you know, they're like, I like you. And they say, I like you in a way that like, I, I need something in return. Here. Right. I need your commitment to me. I, my favorite is I had a really nice time tonight. Yeah. Sincerely look at them and tell them that you had a really nice time. If you had a really nice time, if you didn't, that's manipulation. But if you did, <laughs> that's, that's authenticity. That's transparency. Yeah. So, Two two things I want to go into talking about really quickly consent the first kiss, you know, consenting to the first kiss. <laughs> I think it's really important. And then the other thing that I want to talk about is the sensitivity that you talked about that mm-hmm. when making requests in bed. So I had a girlfriend who I love dearly and I still talk to on a weekly basis. Beautiful. You know, on our first date. Uh, we ended up having tea back at my house. Power move, by the way. People love tea and it's non-threatening. Um, so anyways, I, I felt like this this dr- this drive, this like I- I- impulse to kiss her. And I, and I said, I would really like to kiss you. Is that something that you would like? And she said, yes. And then we kissed and it was our first kiss. And it was, I thought it was really beautiful. And I mean, it was a, it was a beautiful kiss. But later on in the relationship, she goes, yeah, I didn't really need that. Didn't really need that. Didn't need, didn't need you to ask me to kiss, to kiss me. Mm. And yeah. I still feel like the kiss, there, there is for me unconsensual or non-consensual or non-asking of the first kiss. That doesn't happen anymore in my life. And it hasn't for a long time. It's just not happening. Like I don't, I don't want to put somebody in the position of having to like ward off an unwanted kiss because I misread the cues. Yeah, a, a lot of people will say, "Hey, nonverbal is really important." I get that, but nonverbal is also very imprecise. And there's like my lens, and there's your lens, and there's you know a fully objective lens, and it's hard to get it right all the time. And so I would rather err on the on the side of caution, even if it means. Mm-hmm making something just a little bit less romantic. Because you yeah. know what's really unromantic? Getting it wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I would much rather someone just say, yeah, actually, I'm not really feeling a kiss. Yeah. And I could say, cool, thank you so much for telling me. This is one that you know that gets brought up a lot in the consent conversation because a lot of women are like, if you have to ask, then don't bother. You know, that's... <laughs> Oh my god. I heard that. No, I mean there's 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 women who are you know who want the manly man. They're tired of the snag and they're like I just you know because there is there there is something sexy about that knowing. Yeah. Here's my I'll weigh in on this. A kiss is pretty intimate, but there's a lot of things you can do before just going in for the kiss. You can be close you know you can maybe start you start moving close to them and and you can even you know you can tell you like you put your hand on their knee or something like hey you're gonna put my hand here right like there is something where you can just it's pretty obvious you know you can ask them to put your hand on their knee and then maybe they'll say yes no probably you know she says yes and you can start to feel like oh does she want more or is she kind of like backing off even going in for the kiss you can just sort of like move closer and see is she like moving away or is she kind of smiling back at you there's a lot of things you can do before like opening your mouth and puckering, you know, like moving in for the kiss, you know. And I am just not interested in doing any of that other stuff. 
Like, yeah, I'll, I'll, no, I'll do the like, can I put my hand on your on your leg and, and like do like a nice little leg massage slash yeah. stroking or whatever. And yeah, there might be some slowly getting closer, you know, if we're on the couch or whatever. Yeah. But past that, like it's it's a conversation. I want a yes. I want you to say like, yes, I'd really like you to kiss me. I don't, I don't want to move in and then they move out. Because I don't even want to be in a position where I make somebody move away from me because I've somehow invaded their space. And I'm pretty damn in tune with like energy in terms of like, are you into this or not? Yeah. And like, even then, I still don't want to get it wrong because we've been getting it wrong for so long. Yeah. I don't want to be part of people getting it wrong anymore. Chapeau. No, I, I hear. Yeah. <laughs> Chapeau. <laughs> Hats off. To, no, yeah. And and if it makes it less sexy, whatever. I don't care. We can ratchet up the sexy, the sexy later as we get to know each other. Yeah, you know when you've got so much sexiness, you know when you have an abundance of sexiness already. That you know, you, there's no shortage. Yeah, exactly. The other thing that sort of came up as you were talking about uh, men not really um, sort of being in tune with that level of sensitivity in the body. For me, what came up was thinking about me as a sexual being with my, with like partners and lovers and how as a man, sort of, I've been conditioned to like, fuck, penetration is the end goal because of the propagation of the species and and blah, 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 biologically. And it's also just like fucking is more manly. Yeah. Than than uh, any, yeah. yeah than anything else get laid yeah be a stallion I gotta be a Chad and I gotta I gotta accrue numbers uh, stats but really yeah. what I've learned in the last several years is to be more in tune with what I actually want mm-hmm. and sometimes what I actually want isn't to fuck sometimes what I actually want is to do a face massage with somebody, like exchange face massages. Yeah. Sometimes what I want is to cuddle. Mm. Sometimes I want to be the little spoon. Sometimes I want somebody to like stroke my hair. Sometimes I want to be super dominant and like press down on your body. Sometimes I want to only have oral sex where we try to keep as much of our clothes on as possible. Yeah. You know, so oh, like gosh. the the what's available is so much more than just penetration. But what's yeah. important here is being able to actually verbalize that and not feel any shame about the fact that I'm asking for things that might be more like effeminate or like, you know, have more feminine energy because we're both made up. We have this feminine energy, we have this masculine energy. And sometimes I want something that's a little bit softer. Yeah. And just because I ask that of my of my female partner doesn't mean that I'm not a man. It just means that I have needs and desires that are that are broader than what we've been brought up to say we should want and we should we should have. So that's it. Also, no question at the end of this statement. This is just okay. Well, no, but now I'm gonna now I gotta weigh in on this because I I see this in my work. I, I think this is important to acknowledge that one that we're living in a generation of guys who have been brought up on porn. But further than that, I mean, you still have the James Bond sort of sexual bravado culture of masculinity, and and, I, and even before porn, I I quickly learned as a young guy is that. Uh, you know, getting getting laid was, you know, you got props when you got laid. And I think that it's important to acknowledge that a lot of, for a lot of men, and that a sexual experience is often consciously or subconsciously, usually subconsciously, is an, it's an opportunity to establish your manhood. You know, there's a way in which being the dude who fucks and who's a stallion is this way. It's very affirming, it's validating, and it gives us a sense of identity. Um, and so that's why the, you know, all that other stuff is not as, is powerful. It's just, that's just, oh, that's just nice stuff. And as we're disconnected from our, you know, empath, empathy and emotions and our sensitivity, like, okay, that's way lower priority. And I think, you know, even for me studying my Tantra, I'll just speak about my personal experiences that, okay. So to contextualize, I used to come really quickly. This is the, I was like a problem. I would just like, I would just get so excited, you know, <laughs> she's like, oh, already, you know, <laughs> so I, w- I worked on this, right? I, I learned the Tantra, I, you know, made it to a point where I can go 
pretty much indefinitely. You know, I'm pretty proud of that. And there's other things, you know, that I, I know how to do the positions and things like this. Um, but I had my partner like a, after like a year of being together, she told me, she's like, yeah, you know, that's, that stuff is great, but it's not, it's not really what I want. Like what I want is to, to really feel you, to really feel your heart and feel that, feel the presence of your heart and, and sort of everything else pales in comparison to that. And that it was, it was almost like in spite of all the, these things that I was doing, she didn't like me because of these like macho stuff things I was doing. It was almost in spite of that. She's like, I know, yeah, that stuff's kind of distracting, but sometimes I can really feel your heart. And that's what's, what's really valuable to me. Oh my God, this is, this is a game changer. Yeah. You need to access a, a level of vulnerability that most people don't have in order to be able to show somebody your heart while having, while making love. Yeah. I think most guys don't even know. I, guy, there's probably guys listening to this. They're like, what are you, like, what are you talking about? They don't even, and they don't know how to do it. Well, I'm not that great at, at that either. I mean, I, all I know is that I need to be just fully in the present moment. That's it. That's yeah. That's a that's a start. Yeah. Why don't you tell us while we're while we're we got the expert on the line? I well, I'm no, I'm not an expert. We're all students. Well, there's a great book, Cupid's Poisoned Arrow. One of the things she talks about is connecting your genitals to your heart energetically, like feeling this connection there. Conceptually, that makes sense, right? Connecting your genitals to your heart. The thing is, for most guys, using porn, even people of your my age who started, you know, only started using porn. If I'm not going to make any implications about you, but right, like, there's there's guys who've been using porn since they were 13, right? You and I didn't have that opportunity. Wait, no, that's me. Is that you? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I started young. I, I I had a yeah. I started young. Well, well, I know I, I did. I mean, I had magazines back in the day. Yeah, magazines. Yeah. If I couldn't find a magazine, this is funny. I yeah. used to use a Delia's catalog. Oh, oh yeah. Or Victoria's Secret. Well, that was yeah. too much for me. Delia's was more approachable because I was a teenager oh. and they were teen models. Just oh, made It made more I sense. Wow, Delia, I don't know Delia's. Well, De- but- Delia's is, is just like a, it's like a teen clothing company and they used oh, to have okay. the catalogs just all over the place oh just like pretty um, you're like pretty women your age totally yeah. like pretty girls pretty girls my age yeah. wearing like okay. flower sundresses and then there was also like a little bikini or su- like a bathing suit section yeah, for like the- when it gets really intense <laughs> <laughs> for the ending so but the thing is is that porn or the Delia's catalog. Uh, you it can connect on a mental level and on a this like visceral cock level, right? But it's pretty hard to feel emotional connection to a, a magazine or a computer screen. Yeah, there's this way in which you know we're we're kind of sort of avoiding the heart and as we connect to like something I see with my brain, I produce some dopamine and I you know I feel this sexual intensity that there's there's just no heart connection there, and we're like training it over and over. And it's funny because I I I don't well I notice it right I don't use porn very often but every once in a while like I haven't had a partner who like I hadn't looked at porn for like years I was so proud and she was like I've never looked at porn I want to check it out and I was like oh okay but then she got me back into porn for then I was just like because <laughs> yeah. I I mean I love erotic art I blame her it was all she got <laughs> yeah yeah exactly nice but you know but I'll notice it like if if I use porn I notice this this disconnection from my from my heart one of the things that i've you know because the last several years i've focused on this very intentionally is is reconnecting that energy reconnecting my heart to my cock etc and uh and an interesting thing for me that i've found is that i am less um like when i see a really beautiful woman uh out in public i tend to less sort of like fantasize about having sex with her it's almost like it's it's more accessible i'm just like ooh, like she's beautiful or like i'll feel something mm. and also i've been in sexual situations where like if i wasn't totally like feeling the emotional connection like my 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 cock wouldn't get hard that's happening to me that's that's been happening for the last couple of years like if it's that's actually my new barometer by the way yeah and i tell i have few i have like female clients as well and we'll talk about casual sex and or we'll talk about relationships and they'll go, yeah, I've just stayed in the sky and you know I kind of like him, but and I was like, well, does he get your dick hard? Yeah. And she goes, no, he doesn't. 
And that's the barometer, you know, like, is there actual excitement there? Is there, is there something worth exploring or is this something I just need to do because, you know, I want to do because I think I should do. Yeah. And I think that there's a lot of guys who are tapped into this, but they're not, they don't understand what's happening. Right. Because there's, there's guys who like they don't, their dick doesn't get hard. And then they, it's like this shame. It's like, okay, you get in this situation. All right, here's my opportunity to affirm my masculinity and to validate, you know, to validate myself as a, as with my sexual bravado. And then all of a sudden, oh, I can't get it up. Right. And rather than like, oh, maybe I'm not actually emotionally connected to this person. Maybe there's wisdom in my dick. This is just a great barometer of like, okay, maybe you shouldn't have sex right now. Well, uh, you you bring this up, and I could I could see what what could happen is just a complete shutdown, right? You're okay. about to, you're about to have sex. You're you you can't maintain an erection. You can't get an erection. You're flooded with shame, and you totally shut down. You're like, babe, don't talk to me. This is over. Like, whatever. I don't know what's going on. And it's instead yeah. of being like, yeah, sweetie, for some reason, I'm just not feeling like really sexual right now, and I'm super attracted yeah. to you, and I love you, and. Uh, this is obviously like a more committed relationship or even in a casual thing. Like I'm so excited about you. I'm so attracted to you, but for some reason I'm not turned on. I don't know what that's all about. You think we could just like maybe cuddle for a bit? Yeah. Maybe we can just like hold each other. I don't know. Maybe I could big spoon you. You could big spoon me. There's a, there's a way to like maintain intimacy if you somehow have like a cock failure. <laughs> yeah. Or a, or a cock success. Right. Or like it's actually functioning as it should. That's actually, right. right? Is that if you don't feel emotionally safe that or there's something relationally that's not right, that actually your cock is like, hey, I'm doing my job by not doing my job when it shouldn't be done. Uh, that's a nice reframe. I knew as, as, as soon as I said cock failure, I was like, that's bad. Yeah. I would say it's not failing. It's actually just it's a barometer, you know, it's a readout on the display. Yeah. And sometimes it's like that there's something that you need to talk about with your partner. Or that you need to process on your own. Or that you need to process on your own. Yeah, exactly. For me, casual sex worked until it stopped working. Ooh, that It worked as a strategy to change the way I felt or to soothe a wound or to like distract myself from some greater work that I had to do until it fucking didn't work anymore. And then then I couldn't gather the enthusiasm in order to go through with it. And so for me, casual sex is off the table. It's just not happening unless there's a fucking beautiful connection there. And those are for few. But then it's not casual. But then it's not casual. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the frequency of it can be casual, but the intensity of it won't be. Yeah. So my current partner, we started dating. Uh, I was doing open relationship and she, so it was very clear, like, and we, she didn't want a relationship and it was very casual. Um, and she was specifically like, look, we can hang out once a week. And so, and I was like, oh, okay. That, I, and I appreciated that boundary. And we were like living together. We didn't really like talk on the phone in between, you know, dates. But then, yeah, once we were there, it was just like my whole world was just engulfed in the joy and passion of connection. You can have a lot of presence and connection and, and intimacy, even if it's not a, you know, committed partnership. So a few things. I did an energetic sexuality workshop that, that talked about how to bring that like root chakra energy, right? The pel pelvic energy nice. into your heart and to move it through all of the chakras. And for me, it was very subtle. You know, mm -hmm. there's a lot of practice and work that has to go into being able to sort of master that moving of the energy. Yeah. So that was a great uh, resource. So if you're listening and you want to work on moving some of the energy, some Tantra workshops, some energetic sexuality workshops is a good way to do that. There's also Montauk Chia wrote two books, three books, actually. Well, probably more than that. He's, it's, it's like a ton. He's prolific. Okay, prolific. Way more prolific. For me, three is prolific. He's more prolific than that. Uh, Multi-orgasmic male-female couple. Yeah. And I think this applies to people who don't identify with either male men men or women i'm sure there's the the principles are the same right it's like yeah. moving energy around and there's tactics and strategies so that's one thing and then uh <laughs> i wrote this down when you talked about like 
you know, people think or porn makes us think that the biggest dick is what people want. Mm-hmm. Is what women, specifically women want in ancient times. I don't know when, but like mm-hmm. Greco-Roman, <laughs> I'm, I'm sounding stupid, but back then, like men with big penises were actually seen as inferior because they were ruled by their penis. Whereas men who had small penises were seen as cool and level-headed because they they thought with their heart and with their brain and not with their dong. Wow. Okay. So if you are not super well endowed, if you're just regularly endowed, that's, that's, that's not bad. That means yeah. you're cool and level-headed. And if you're well-endowed, <laughs> that's not bad either. There's a, There are people there called size queens, and they love big penises. And you've probably yeah. encountered some people like that as, in your life. And there's, and there's different size vaginas, too. There you go. Right? Depth. Yeah. Shape. Angles. Yeah. I know. I've got a, a friend who just loves small penises. Like, her, like, favorite partner is just has just like a soup and like and she i probably shouldn't know but you know but she's told me like it's like it's just really really small and uh uh and she loves it she she's like oh it's just the right spot also if it's smaller you can just say what i like to say is that i have like a great anal sex penis <laughs> yeah so guys if your penis is smaller that's this is this is an opportunity for you that, that other men simply don't have. That's right, and and your person is out there who who thinks yeah. that your penis is just fine. Most people, most women in my in my life has th- have thought I think that my penis is just fine. No one actually, I've never had anyone tell me it's too small, and it's like just it's like totally average, but at totally average is tiny in if you compare it to like porn cocks. Yeah. My tantra teacher talks about how your your uh, your penis is like the wick of a candle. That it's it's your energy lingam that actually sort of uh, embodies the energy. And so you think of like the wick of a candle and how big the flame is. Like proportionally, that that like the size of your energy lingam is more like two to three feet, right? And your cock is just the that the wick of that. And so when you're making love, that you don't just make love, you know, putting your penis in here, is that you're you acknowledge this this deeper energy this penetrating up into into her heart or his heart you know like but into the person's heart uh and and that that's that's how deep your connection goes and that's a you know i'm saying this mental this is a mental shift but right. feeling that has been really powerful uh i think for me and, and my partners in connecting one of the biggest takeaways that I got from this uh, energetic sexuality workshop is that, like, this was a workshop where you kept your clothes on, but but you would you would sort of practice energetically with people. Is that I could receive energetically sexual energy from a female partner, and how awesome that felt. Yeah, that was the biggest takeaway. I did, okay. I mean, this is a whole, <laughs> dude, don't get me started. You can have wonderful sexual experiences with, without even removing your clothes, without even like touching. Yeah. Like I've had orgasms and women had orgasms. Like we were, we were just, I mean, that we were, that was cuddling. Right. right. But yeah. Oh yeah. This is next. This is next level stuff. We'll have to do another oh, yeah. episode on, on this. Yeah. Um, but it all fits into this non-traditional view of masculinity because if you tell a dude a traditional man that he can come from being energetically penetrated from a woman he might just punch you into oncoming traffic (laughs) (laughs) that's the type of response that that should elicit for traditional masculinity but the reality is that like there's it's so much broader than that and it doesn't have to to threaten who we are as as men the way you know when i talk about it with guys who are a bit more um they've had more traditional upbringings i emphasize the benefits it's like hey dude do you want to be more calm and collected do you want to feel more joy you know that there's things you can do part of the problem is that you know we've We've got guys like you and me are going to freaking Tantra workshops and, and we're getting deep into it. But for, yeah, exactly, it becomes inaccessible, 
right? And so that's, you know, like in the in the men's work that I do, you know, I talk about guys getting real with each other, talking about things that, that actually matter. And that's, that's something that's pretty easy to, to get on board for. It's like, oh yeah, no, I mean, I think most guys will say, yeah, there's stuff I don't talk about with my partner or there's stuff I don't talk about with my guy friends. That's part of the, the value of men's work on a basic level is just actually talking about what matters to other men and practicing that. I mean, you can call it vulnerability or you just call it being real, you know, like transparency. I want to underline the importance of being real and authentic with with your male friends, right? And it took me a long time to really cultivate male friendships that that I value and that I can be really safe and authentic in. And I have a few guys that I can call and I can really say just about anything. Actually, funnily enough, one of them is the dude who told me to stop crying at Burning Man. <laughs> Yeah, well, we're all we're all in this together. Yeah, he's he's grown a lot too, and um, yeah, I could say things like, "Hey, man, I just got rejected, and I feel really shitty about it," or "I am not where I want to be in life right now, and it's kind of bumming me out." You know, I thought that I would have more accomplished. I thought I'd have children by now, or I'm I'm scared that the work that I'm doing isn't impactful, and that I'm wasting my time, and that I'm growing old. And I'm going to be alone for the rest of my life. You know, these are things that most men probably don't tell each other. Yeah. And it's really powerful to be able to have another man say like, yeah, I hear you. I feel like that sometimes too. Yeah. Oh, having your, your buddy like hear you and acknowledge you and share experiences. It's so powerful. I guess I'm, I am kind of curious. We sort of touched on it, but like what else could men do to be more emotionally vulnerable and to start to dismantle this thing called toxic masculinity? Oh, yeah. I would say uh, create spaces where you can practice this stuff. You know, it's like you need your dojo. If you want to learn karate, you don't just start fighting with people. Right? <laughs> you know, just like, you know, you want to have a dojo where you're like, okay, hey, we're there's an intentional container here. We're going to do this thing, and we're you know we're going to practice it. Uh, and I think that this is important: is to seek out people, seek out relationships, seek out spaces where you can experiment with this with this work in a safe container. And I, and because the fact is that. You know, we live in a society where it's, you know, like you said, you start crying at a, you know, in public and your friend's like, dude, what are you doing? It's important to acknowledge that that's the society that we live in. You know, there's a lot of people would be like, men, you just need to be more vulnerable. Open your heart. And okay, maybe, but if, if you open your heart in a place that's not where you're just going to get hurt again, that's not doing anybody any favors. If I have advice about practical things to do, it's it's create find spaces and relationships and situations that allow for more more safety and intentionality around emotional vulnerability. Here in Montreal, there's um, there are events, there are like authentic relating games, there there intimacy games, there are there are like workshops, there are meetups. I mean, I'm assuming in all major cities. There are men's circles. There are plenty of resources online. There are podcasts like this one mm-hmm. where we talk about this stuff. Yeah. And even just like on your own, I mean, journaling and feeling your emotions or maybe watching, you know, like on your own, what you, you can watch a movie that feels emotional and just to let yourself feel that emotion. Maybe let yourself cry. Right. Uh, and Brene Brown has a phenomenal, I mean, has, has done a ton of work on shame and vulnerability and has these amazing TED Talks and these amazing books. I mean, I remember mm-hmm. actually, oh my God, I remember now when I read Daring Greatly, yeah. I bawled my fucking eyes out. I just bawled hard yeah. throughout the whole oh, book. Yeah. Just so, I soaked it. Okay. For guys your age and my age and, old, and a little bit older, uh, um, is, won't you be my neighbor? the documentary on on mr rogers oh my god that that was that was the one that got me i just i it was like this sort of soft just kind of like oh like almost like whimper cry like the entire movie and then when it ended it was just the floodgates opened up i'm committing to watching that tonight oh it's it's a treat he was brilliant 
you know, it's it's easy to just look at the how soft and simple he was on those shows. But that's what I was saying is just how I mean, he he knew what he was doing. He was incredibly intelligent uh, in his approach to creating powerful experiences. Um, yeah. So this is a strong takeaway. Mr. Rogers. Yeah, Mr. Rogers. <laughs> Where can we find you? I, I live and, and practice in Seattle. That's where I, I host most of my groups in person. And, uh, but I also, you know, I also do online work. I do a lot of video sessions with, uh, with men and galenerickson.com. You know, I blog fairly regularly. I've been told I need to do more videos. So I'm, I'm looking to you know, do that as well. Well, I'll send you this video and you can. Oh, we could post. I would post this. Yeah, you could post yeah. it. Thank you so much for your time. This was like a beautiful, love, lovely, fun conversation. I had a very nice evening. I had a very nice morning. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I had a very nice morning with you as well. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Really means a lot to me. If uh, you want the show notes for this episode or for past episodes, or if you want to find out more about me, go to thelovedrive.com. Or you can find me on Instagram at thelovedrive. Every Friday, I do this thing called free love advice where I, on my stories, I answer people's questions about sex, love, dating, relationships, dream interpretations, and basically whatever else you could throw at me, I will do my best to answer it. So every Friday on Instagram at The Love Drive. And if you want to reach out to me, my email is sean at thelovedrive.com. That's S-H-A-U-N at thelovedrive.com. I love getting feedback. I love getting comments. I love getting questions. And if you're in need of more support, like one-on-one coaching and or consulting, I am available. Send me an email. Thank you so much for listening. It really does mean the world.